Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4:23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. I remembered before I even saw you I remembered (laughs) and then also we have connect cards in here you'll see them on the seats they are not just for visitors they are for everyone to fill out it's also a wonderful way to share prayer concerns with us as a staff if you have an immediate need or immediate prayer concern coming up this week please make sure you hand that to one of the pastors so that we know about it So as we continue and actually wrap up our uh, sermon series because Jeremy will be preaching next Sunday on who we are called to be as a part of the Global Methodist Church. And that mission statement is that we are called to make disciples who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. And so we've been looking at how we do that personally and how we do that corporately as a church. But our scripture today is going to come from Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, sometimes called the Great Commission. So the scripture tells us what we are called to do and what we are um, sent to do as well. And so if you'll stand now for the reading of the word of God. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The word of God for you and me, the people of God. You may be seated. going to make one little disclosure here, disclaimer at the beginning of this. So I just took a class last semester on Matthew and uh, spent the entire semester going through it. And then at the end of it, basically in a nutshell, wrote about a 10-page paper on those verses that I just read to you. But I will not share all of that with you today. Um, (laughs) But if you really want to get into Matthew, let me know because I would love to do it. But But I really want you to understand too, and sometimes we have a tendency to do this with scripture. We tend to pull out what we're going to study and what we're going to look at, and that's fabulous, and we do need to dig into scripture. But we also need to look at it in its full context. And this is the climax, the culmination of Matthew. But all of Matthew, starting with that amazing genealogy at the beginning, and all of Matthew reveals and explains how we end up with these verses. So I want to challenge you this week to read Matthew, not study Matthew, read it. Take a breath, lose yourself in it, and just absorb it 
and listen to it, whether you listen to it um, while you're driving to or from work or if you have the opportunity to read it. But I'd love for you to do that and look at all of this in, in the context of that because I think that's so important. Today, we're going to be talking about witnessing boldly. And of the three things that we've talked about the past few weeks, this is probably the one that makes us all just squirm just a little bit in our seat, like, oh, here comes the evangelism sermon. And that's okay. But I think we squirm for a couple of reasons. One, we don't want to be weird. And we don't want to do it wrong. I mean, there's a weight, there's a responsibility that we know that we have. And so we want to make sure that we get it right as well. But I think we need to lean into the weird and uncomfortable part of it a little bit. We need to examine why that is. And I think partly it's because we have stereotypes and we have a lot of baggage about what evangelism looks like. And so we need to have conversations and acknowledge that and understand that some of those experiences and conversations that have happened in the name of evangelism have been harmful to ourselves or harmful to others. And so we start from a place of kind of uncomfortableness, maybe a little bit of brokenness even. So I have a couple of memes to show. And I love this one. It says, I'd share the gospel, but I don't have the gift of evangelism. And he replies, you sing hymns and you clearly don't have the gift of singing. So I think it's a wonderful example of how God can take our noise that we make and turn it into beautiful song and music. And the same thing with evangelism. It's not our words. It's him working through our words. And he's going to take those words and he's going to make them into something beautiful that someone else needs to hear. And there's one other one too. And sometimes I think we think, oh, if I've shared it on Facebook... I have evangelized today. Um, I think we need to go a little deeper than that, though. I think we need to do more than that. And so when we get to these times where we feel a little bit uncomfortable about something that God's calling us to do, I think that's when we need to lean into it the most. I think it's when we need to meditate and examine those verses and examine our hearts and see how God is revealing himself to us personally and to us corporately as a church. Scripture should be just a little bit uncomfortable sometimes because change is uncomfortable. Because letting go of our sin and our habits is uncomfortable sometimes. But we're going to look today at what it means to make disciples. And then we're going to look at in that context of that mission statement and what it means to witness, bo witness boldly and how those are connected. So we started with our scripture today. And if you'll keep your Bibles open, or if you'll have it out on your phone, we're going to kind of go through this verse by verse. So I want you to be able to look at it as we go through. In verse 16, the disciples show up. It's Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And so in verse 16, the first thing that we see the disciples do in these verses is they obeyed Jesus. They showed up. They went to the mountain. And notice there's already been an intentional movement. They had to make that decision. They had to make that choice to go and meet Jesus where he was going to be, where he had called them to be on that mountaintop. And then in verse 17, they go on to worship. 
But I think it's so interesting that this is where it's mentioned that some of them were still doubting. Now keep in mind, they have met Jesus on the road to Emmaus. They have sat and ate with him. They have talked with him. They have felt his hands. And yet some still doubted. But you know what they did? They still showed up and they still worshiped. They responded by being obedient and worshiping. And worship is when we focus on God and lay ourselves aside, when we are filled with him and not ourselves. And that's what the disciples were still willing to do, to be filled with him and to put themselves aside. Then in verse 18, Jesus shows up. And he tells them by all authority in heaven and earth. This is what made the resurrection possible, the ascension possible. It's what he is about to tell the disciples that what he's asking them to do is only possible because the Holy Spirit will be with them. Because the Holy Spirit will be us with us as well. He will continue to form them and shape them and give them the words and their directions of what they're supposed to do through his presence that will never leave us because he has conquered sin and death on the cross. And then verse 19, go. Doesn't say where. Doesn't say exactly how to do it. Just go. And in scripture, when we see something followed by therefore, or in a sentence is introduced with therefore, it usually means something important is coming after that. But I think it's important that first word, and we ponder on that a little bit. Making disciples involves movement. It involves a change in the way we do things and a change in our patterns. It doesn't mean standing still and beckoning people to come to you. Jesus never did that. He always went out and encountered the people. He always met them where they were. Notice Jesus, at this point, doesn't set up a capital city or corporate headquarters and get everyone organized. He just tells them to go. He didn't even ask the disciples to return back to this spot. Go. His entire ministry involved moving from town to town. Now, does that mean that I'm now telling you that everyone in here needs to go in, put in your two-week notice, and you need to start traveling around town to town on foot, too, by the way, um, sharing the word of Jesus. Guys, you don't have to go to school anymore. You're just going to go share Jesus. So there you go. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about. But I think we can become so comfortable in our routine. I think we can become so comfortable in the way that we do things every single day, even the way we come to church. Okay, this is the moment here. Raise your hand if you're sitting in the seat you normally sit in. <laughs> we get into routines. What if next Sunday you sat in a different seat? Imagine who you might meet. Imagine the opportunities and the conversation that can stem from those encounters. We're called to go. And when we 
go into different places and we encounter new people, when we just change up our routine a little bit, we have those opportunities. My cousin um, lives in a small town in Louisiana and she told me one time, we were just talking about it because it really stuck with her and really, as we were talking, she was trying to work through it. She's real active in her church as well and um, comes from a Baptist background, so she definitely gets that evangelized thing. Um, but she was um, on an evangelism committee <laughs> and they were talking about evangelizing and growing their church. And one of the older men who'd been in, grew up in that town said, you know, I've grown up with these people. I know everyone here. Um, I know they know Jesus and I don't know anybody who doesn't know Jesus. And I don't know how I'm, who I'm supposed to evangelize to. How many times do we get stuck in that rut where we just think, hmm, everybody I know knows Jesus. If everybody you know knows Jesus, you need to find a new some new people. <laughs> keep, the, keep the Jesus people, but you need to reach out and expand beyond that. We can do that individually in our own lives and we can even do that collectively. We can stop seeing people the way God sees them. We can stop seeing the individuals that we cross paths with, the person who checks us out at the grocery store or the person that we run into at the grocery store. We can stop seeing them as someone needs Jesus because we just assume that their lives are going to stay on the trajectory that they're on. We can do that as a church. We can write off entire populations of people because we just think they're not going to hear that. But that's not who we're called to be. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to see those people because those are the exact people that Jesus saw every single day. That's what it means to go. It means to see them. We're also called to baptize in the name of the Trinity. And I'm pretty sure that no one's probably going to have anyone over for dinner sometime this week and then maybe go out in your pool in the backyard and maybe baptize a few people after dinner. And that's not what we're called to do either. But if you do, let me know, because I kind of like to show up. Um, <laughs> baptism is us entering into a covenant relationship with God. It's how we become a member of our church, a member of Christ, and a member of his church. And we baptize from infant to adults. And so once that baptism is, is over, that's not the only step we're talking about. Because if you listen to this liturgy that we say, when we, the vows that we make as a congregation when someone is baptized, it's an ongoing process for them and for us. Let me read this to you. With God's help, we proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ. We will surround these persons with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others. We will pray for him, them, that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life. That's witnessing boldly right there. That's what we're promising to do is to witness boldly to those who are baptized and to those families that surround them. And that word teaching... Teaching is in the same verb tense as baptizing, so they're meant to happen together. They're meant to happen in conjunction with one another. But what are we teaching? 
The scripture tells us to observe all that I have commanded you. That's what Jesus tells them. He doesn't give them a list of topics to master. But he's helping the disciples to see that other disciples are made through obedience to the heart of God's laws. Jesus taught through his words and actions, through his life and death and resurrection. Look at everything he did. It was all done in perfect, holy love. Sometimes we teach through ongoing conversations. Sometimes we teach in a very literal sense as a Sunday school teacher or through VBS, through multiple ways like that. And we teach inside and outside of the walls of the church. Sometimes we teach through incredibly short interactions with people. When I served as a chaplain at the hospitals, um, I worked primarily during COVID. But you'll be maybe surprised to know you're not supposed to evangelize when you're a chaplain. That's not our job. That's not what we're called to do in that role. And it doesn't mean that I don't get to share Jesus or get to let people um, hear about him. But I'm invited into very holy, sacred spaces with people. And some of those conversations are just letting them talk. And then there's the opportunity to open up and maybe there is that opportunity to share them with them or pray with them. But most importantly, I'm there to help them feel the presence and the love of Jesus. Most of my interactions as a chaplain when I charted were probably five to seven minutes. The overall scheme of, thing in someone, scheme of things in someone's life, that's not very long, probably not even very long in some of their hospital stays. But it's an opportunity for them to see the love of Christ in action. And so it doesn't take long. When Jesus healed the woman who was bleeding, he didn't spend a long time with her. Healing takes place in very short interactions sometimes. Sometimes it takes place over meals, like with Zacchaeus. So we're called to go and do all of those things. Those are the ways that we teach. And then we come to verse 20. And this is all possible as Jesus says, because I am with you always to the end of the age. And this is what blows my mind. The God of the universe, who created the heavens and the earth, who breathed life into us, decided that the best way to share his love and his gospel and his truth was through his church. And we are invited to be a part of that. Think about that for a minute. The God of the universe is inviting you in to his plan. You are part of his plan. But that plan is done in and through him. It's not done through us. It's done through the power that he has through the end of the age. So as we go forward and we're looking at what it means to witness boldly, if we've got this great commission of this is what we're charged to do and this is what we're told to do, we kind of got to have a little bit of a plan here, right? And that plan, according to our mission statement, is to witness boldly. 
So why do we need to witness? Witness means to tell the testimony or to testify of what you have seen and heard. But here's what's so important about it. This is why we do it. Because it reflects the heart and the nature of God. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We witness boldly because it reflects who God is. It's also a response to the human condition. It's a response to sin and separation to God. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we as individuals and all over the world have a little problem with sin. But God has a plan for that. He has a remedy for that. He's redeeming us and calling us to him so that we are never separated from him again. And that answer to that sin and separation from God is the hope of salvation. And do we not live in a world that needs hope and salvation desperately? The entire world is desperately in need of it. And so that's what we do. We witness boldly so that they can hear about it. We go, we teach, we baptize. It doesn't matter what we do if souls are not being saved. If we are just meeting together and having a good time, possibly just so we can feel a little better about ourselves, then that's not what we're called to do. We're called to testify as to what we have seen and heard. And I work at a church, and I love the things that we do. All the announcements that I gave today are beautiful and wonderful programs. And they're beautiful and wonderful ways to build fellowship and community and to learn about God and to heal and to experience and have encounters with God. But if all we do is invite people to a program, then we're not witnessing boldly. What we need to be inviting them to is an encounter with Jesus. We are being sent out to be witnesses to those who do not know Jesus. And we, you, me, the church, is me meant to do that throughout the world so that the world can come to know Jesus. And we do that by inviting them in to experience Jesus but also by going out into the world so that people can experience Jesus and have an encounter with Jesus. And like I mentioned, that witness means something you've seen and heard. The apostles had encountered the risen Lord. They definitely had something to go out and tell people about. It made sense, didn't it? That they would leave that mountaintop and go and share that message with people immediately. And until we have seen and heard and encountered Jesus ourselves, we're not going to have a message to give. So I want to invite you to have an encounter with our risen Lord, with Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That means leaving your sin at the foot of the cross and experiencing God's love and grace and mercy. 
That is passionate worship. That's what we're doing when we're worshiping passionately. We're emptying ourselves and we're opening ourselves up and being filled by God and we are leaving our sin and our shame and our addiction and our brokenness at the foot of the cross. That is an encounter with Jesus. That is something to tell other people about. Have you invited Jesus to be your savior? Have you experienced a love so extravagant that all your sins are forgiven? Not just forgiven, but wiped away. That you are given new life in Jesus Christ. That is an encounter with Jesus. When we're praying and people are being healed and people are experiencing forgiveness and God's grace is overflowing, that is God's extravagant love. That is something we, can, we have seen and heard and can tell someone about. And so only then do you have something to witness boldly about. And now you can share what you've seen and heard. And I promise you will not be at a loss for words. When you have a personal encounter with Jesus, and when our church is centered around those personal encounters with Jesus, then disciples are made inside the walls and outside of the walls of the church. When we teach and baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we invite people in to experience the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, then we leave from here and we go and take that outside. Disciples will be made because you have something to witness to. Our church can witness boldly because we have something that the world will never provide. We are offering a personal relationship with the God of the universe who with all authority has redeemed us and will restore us all. That is something to tell others about. When you've had that encounter, you have something to witness boldly about. And you may not have had that encounter. You may be sitting there thinking, I'm coming to church for a long time. Never had that happen before. And it's not going to happen every Sunday that you're going to have that revival type experience. But we need to create and we need to be a church that invites us into moments of prayer and healing and forgiveness so that we're able to respond to that and experience those things and experience who God is. And then we have a testimony. Then we are able to witness boldly. Then we're able to do all of those things together to make disciples by loving extravagantly, worshiping passionately, and witnessing boldly. So I wanna invite you this morning as we continue to worship I'm gonna invite our prayer team up. They're gonna be up here as well. And if you are craving and trying to understand and want an encounter with Jesus, it's done through prayer and through healing.